You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Great. It's a real privilege uh, to be here, to be with you. Mac, happy birthday to you. Really looking forward to baptizing you later. What a great day. Last week, I talked all about vision. And if I sort of said to you, what is your challenge? Could you articulate it carefully? I read this week that 80%, 80% of American managers cannot answer these three questions. What is my job? What in my job really counts? And how well am I doing? Now, if somebody asked you that as a Christian, what is it about you as a Christian? What is it as a Christian that, that makes a difference in your life? How well are you really doing What is it that really counts as being a Christian? And I'm hoping that we're going to answer those questions over these next six weeks. I'm thrilled by this series that we're going to be looking at called Bless. You see, they often say if the vision is unclear, the cost is too high. So you're not aware what you're meant to be doing, then you won't get involved and do it. And I'm hoping and praying that as we look at this, you'll understand that. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go through the Bible together. Father, we thank you you've spoken to us so clearly already today. We thank you so much for Max saying, I want to get baptized. Lord, I pray you'd speak to each one of us in this new series, Bless. I pray that you'd challenge us in our hearts. I pray that we'd see clearly and that we'd step up. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want a little bit of involvement this morning. So uh, I'm going to say something, and I'd just like you to repeat it. it. I am blessed. blessed. Right, fantastic. I I love it. I mean, I'll get carried away here. I'll be careful because I know I'm short on time. I am blessed. I am blessed. Come on, one more time. I am blessed. I am blessed. I believe that this is one of the key themes of the Bible. This is not just Pete trying to get something going. You see, if you look right throughout the Bible, you've got this theme of blessing. So it starts in creation. The first book of the Bible, and you can look up some of these, jot them down, I'm going to go quick today, is Genesis. And in Genesis chapter 1, God creates. And what does he say over the creation in, in, on day 5? He blesses creation and says, increase. You see, God blesses. We know that it's not just about creation, we know that it's about human beings, because on day six, we know that he creates Adam and Eve. And it says in Genesis 1, verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So when God created human beings, he said... You are blessed. I mean, it's right there in Scripture. Now, the reality is that we know that Adam and Eve then did wrong. The Bible calls it sin. We know then that God curses. They leave the presence of the Garden of Eden, and they end up having trouble in life and relationships. We can read all of that. But actually, God's created order was that you are to be blessed. Yeah? Come on, one more time. I am blessed. You're going to say it several times this morning. It's not hard to forget. Then the story goes on, I would say, with Abraham 
and the establishment of the covenant. You see, God in his grace chose this guy called Abraham and says to him, I would love you to come into a relationship with me, the almighty God. You can read about this in Genesis. Genesis 22. God says to Abraham, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. And so God has called Abraham into this covenant and the covenant was a covenant of blessing. And, and if you know anything about the, the Old Testament, which is the part of the Bible which is all written before the life of Jesus, you know that this comes up again and again. In fact, the covenant is the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why? Because God says exactly the same thing to all three of them. Isaac was the son of Abraham. The same promise, the same expectation is given to Isaac as it was to Abraham. We can read about that in Genesis 26. It says here, stay in the land for a while and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and your descendants, I will give all these lands. This is God speaking. And I will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. So God is establishing this covenant. I am here to bless you. He says it to Abraham. He says it to Isaac. And obviously, you know where this is going. He says it to Jacob. You can read about that in Genesis 28. This is the first book of the Bible. It takes us through this journey. I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are living. Not lying. Your descendants will be... Oh, sorry, no, it was lying. It was to do with the dream. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. So what does God say? Come into this covenant. What's this covenant? It's a covenant where I'm going to bless you. I mean, that's the God that we serve. And, and, and in many respects, I could go through the, the whole of the Old Testament and say, God is a God of blessing. God is a God of blessing. God is a God of blessing. Well, if you know anything about the Bible, you would know that for many of us, the pinnacle would be the cross. It would be the death of Jesus Christ. It would be the fact that the high point of the whole story is that the Father sent his Son to come and live a perfect life. Jesus, who never does anything wrong in word, thought, or deed, as the perfect Son of God, he dies in our place. Jesus is punished so that I am forgiven. That's what we understand on the cross. Jesus is wounded so that I am healed. That's the cross, isn't it? Jesus was made my sinfulness so that I might receive his rightness. That's the cross. Jesus died my death that I might receive his life. Jesus became poor that I might become rich. Jesus took my rejection so that I might be acceptable to God. Jesus became my curse that I might receive 
a blessing. You see, God so loves you and so wants to bless you, he sent his son to die for you. Paul is writing to the church in Galatia. The book is called Galatians. This is in the New Testament. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. That was a reference to the cross, the wood, the tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. I am blessed. Do you understand this? It says elsewhere that in Christ we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. I I, I don't know how you feel today. I don't know what your thoughts have been this week. But I think if we look at the Bible, we've got to believe there is a God who wants to bless us. I mean, golly, I think there should be a few amens in the house when we come to this. In all seriousness, this is not us. Oh, God, is, is that really true? This should get right into our hearts. God wants to bless you. And do you know, with each one of these, he then commissions you to bless other people. But if you've not realized that God has blessed you, you'll find everything else a chore. You see, we've got to start by thinking, actually, he wants to bless me. He wants to bless me. That's incredible. Isn't it amazing, the picture that we had even this morning? We think, oh, we could do something with God, and God just says, literally, I want to grab your face. I want you to look at me. I want you to focus upon me. Man, that's intense. (laughs) But that's how God feels about us. It's like, God, how, how could we be like that? Because he wants to bless us. It starts with he wants to bless us. God wants to bless us. Some of us, if we're honest, think God wants to punish us. We think God's disappointed with us. Whereas actually the theme of the Bible is that God wants to bless us. Do you really, really know that? I I grew up in church, and uh, the church I went to, we used to have a saying, some of you might have heard it, the longest journey in the world is from the head to the heart. Because you might say, well, look, Pete, I know in my head that God wants to bless me. Do you know it in your heart? Do you honestly think, actually, God, you're a father and you really want to bless me? Or do you think, oh, I've read that in the Bible, but I'm just not sure I feel it. You see, before we start this series, we've got to understand God wants to bless you. You know, Adam challenges you about finance. That's because God wants to bless you. You see, the reference he referred to in Malachi, Malachi 3, says actually it's the only place in the Bible that if you test me, God says nowhere else, test him. But if you test me in this, there'll be an overflow. Why? Because he so wants to bless you that you won't be able to contain it. Whereas we can think, God, really? 10%? God, is that before tax, after tax? How's that going to work? God says, no, no, come on, trust me, and I will bless you. You see, that's the heart that you have. Whereas we could suddenly think, oh, no, maybe... I tell you, when we understand the blessing of God, we won't be able to keep it to ourselves. I've never been there. I would love to go. The Dead Sea. Because it's got a river that runs into it and nothing that runs out of it, 
It's called the Dead Sea. I was reading about it this week. There is no plant life in the Dead Sea. There's no animal life in the Dead Sea. The salt content is six times the ocean. So if anyone's ever been there on holiday, you probably see them floating in it and reading the paper. That's the classic thing to do when you go to the Dead Sea because it's dead. Something's about how tragic. Seas are about life, aren't they? I think the most beautiful thing often, if you're really honest about it, I know you go to some great seas, if you go snorkeling, you just see the life and the fish and the, all the, the, the animals that there are. That, that's, that's life, isn't it? As a Christian, have we become like the Dead Sea? Because actually we try and take in and we just never give out. You see, once we realize that God has blessed us, we will understand that we are commissioned to be a blessing. You see, I believe that that as we look at this series, I am blessed to be a blessing. You see, I don't think we're just blessed that I I can just hold as much as I possibly can. I am blessed so that I can be a blessing. It says in Proverbs, Proverbs is a book that Solomon wrote, who is the very wise son of King David in the Old Testament. He says, through the blessing of the upright, Proverbs 11, 11, a city is exalted. You see, I think that we should make an impact upon this city. We should make an impact upon this town. We should make an impact upon the borough. Why? Because we have been blessed by God. I mean, that's incredible, isn't it? You're doing very well at containing it. I'm encouraging us. Come on, we need to be excited. God has blessed me so that I can be a blessing. What does it really mean to bless? This is, the, this is the whole thing. We're looking at the thing, bless. What does it mean? Well, I was thinking about this this week as I was preparing, and if we're really honest, when do you ever say the word bless you? When do you say it? Somebody sneezes. It's true, isn't it? So I thought I'd find out some facts about sneezing for you. The longest sneezing fit ever recorded is a British person. Whoa, we done it. Donna Griffiths, who was born in 1969, she started sneezing on the 13th of January, 1981, and they reckon that she sneezed a million times in the first 365 days. A million times. She achieved her first sneeze-free day on the 16th of September, 1983. That was 978 days later. Sneezed every day. I wonder, you know, I mean, her mum must have said, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. I mean, just imagine what it was like. So I got thinking about this, and I thought, why on earth do we even say bless you? I mean, when somebody sneezes, what's it all about? So, of course, I looked it up on the internet this week, and uh, the Sun newspaper, I've never read it before, said this. Apparently, you say bless you to somebody because when they sneezed, people used to be concerned that they sneezed out their soul. Did you realize that? Oh, there you go. You see, you've learned something this morning. And so they used to say bless you before the devil grabbed it. I'm not sure I really believe that. I think it was the Sun newspaper. But why do we say bless you? Apparently, Pope Gregory introduced it. He was made Pope after somebody had died, and he was so worried about people being ill that he used to go around to people and say, bless you, bless you, bless you. And so when anyone was ill, it was like a sign of blessing. Apparently, there's another reason why we say bless you. You can have a vote in a moment and see which one you believe. 
There was some thought that when you sneezed, your heart stopped. And people were so worried that you were going to die, they used to say, bless you, hoping that it would restart your heart. Other people, when I looked it up on the internet, say we say bless you because of the plague. And that people used to sneeze, and it was the first symptom of the plague. And people were so worried in London of the plague coming them, they'd say bless you. It's almost like protecting. And other people think it's just a remark on a sneeze. We don't really know. Now I'd like to ask you the question. God says that you're to bless this world. What does that look like? Do you really know what a blessing is from God and do you really understand what we are to do when we are to bless others? You see what I'm saying? Because I've just given you five things and you might think, oh, I'm not sure if all of those are true. Maybe some of them are true. Now, if I said to you, come on, we are to be a church that blesses healing, what does that look like? Would you end up thinking, oh, I don't know, it could be one of five things, I'm not really sure. So our thing is that we would like to look at this and think, I would love to bless this place. I believe that we are here to bless this place. I uh, get a newsletter from Ealing Food Bank, as many of you know, we're privileged to be involved in helping set that that up. They've now fed 11,000 400 people, three days' worth of food. So if that was me writing a report, I'd have said that's 34,200 people that have had one day's worth of food. In fact, there's three meals a day, so I'd have said that's just over 100,000 meals that have been given out by Ealing Food Bank. I think that's being a blessing, isn't it? I'd have thought, oh, little fish. It's a playgroup that we run in on a Tuesday. Surely that's being a blessing, isn't it? I'd have thought, well, it's not just London, the fact that we're supporting people that are out in Istanbul planting the church, that's being a blessing. But I think sometimes we can get quite confused about what does it really mean? What does it mean for you to be a blessing? And so we are going to be looking at this over the next uh, few weeks. And the first thing we're going to do an acrostic on bless is B. What would I define blessing? And it will be this. Begin with Prayer. Begin with prayer. You see, if you think about the Bible, and of course I believe this is God's word, so I want to keep going back to it. Every example is they came to prayer. What happens when, when God first meets Abraham and he's just about to say, look, I'm just going to go over there and destroy this city, Sodom and Gomorrah. What does Abraham say? Oh God, he prays. The first thing that he's doing is he prays. I don't know, if that had been me, if I knew it, what might I have done? I might have run over to the city, go, get out, get out, get out, there's trouble. Abraham prays. What about Nehemiah? He's a long way away, he's in exile, which means he's been taken away against his will. He's almost a captive, he's serving this person, and he remembers that the city walls have been laying broken down for 140 years. And God gets a hold of his heart, so what does he do? He prays. What about Esther? I mean, golly, what a story. This girl who's brought up by her uncle because her parents have died and she ends up sleeping with the king and becoming the queen and then she realizes her whole nation's going to be wiped down. What's the first thing that she does? She prays. 
When Paul is writing to Timothy, Paul was a guy in the New Testament that ended up encountering Christ in a very powerful way. Ends up writing 13 letters, which are part of the 27 books of the New Testament. When he's writing to Timothy, one of his sort of trainees, he says in 1 Timothy 2, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. Come on, guys, what's the first thing you're going to do if you're going to bless? Oh, pray. What's the first thing we're going to do? Pray. I told you that the pinnacle of the book to me is Jesus Christ. Well, we know from Mark chapter 1 that very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. You see, there was something throughout the Bible of begin in prayer. Hey, if I could say, we're going to be a blessing We've got to be those that begin in prayer. Now, it's so easy, isn't it, when we start praying to think about ourselves. So easy to think, oh, God, give me a parking space. If you're really there, let one of those green lights in these trendy car parks come up for me. Or we end up parking, oh, God, you know, lottery numbers, please. I don't need the whole thing, but I just need something. And maybe we end up praying, oh, God, let my team win this weekend. Oh, God, that camera on Gunnersby Park, it flashed. Let it run out of film, I pray. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest. We've all prayed all these kind of things. What are we praying about? I think we're to be those that to begin for the nation, we must pray. Tim Keller, he's an author, a teacher, and a pastor. He says this, prayer is not merely a way to get inward peace. It is a way to look outward and participate with God in his work in the world. You see, we begin with prayer because that's where we we find God's heart. We begin with prayer because that's where God speaks to us. I mean, powerful word. I'm not going to grab your face again, Anna. Powerful word. (laughs) But when did the word come? When Megan was praying yesterday. You see what I'm saying? I think, whoa, the word's undone me. And I think, oh, but it began in prayer. How do we make sure that we begin in prayer? There's a Scottish theologian by the name of Peter, so I thought I must quote him today. He says this, the worst sin is prayerlessness. The worst sin is prayerlessness. I'm not sure I'd have ever defined it like that before. But I suddenly think, oh, come on. How do I encourage this? God, our God, blesses us. Why? So that we can be a blessing. So there's an overflow. Okay, how does it start? It starts by us beginning in prayer. We've approached this whole week as a week of prayer. Based upon Hebrews 4, it says this, approach the throne of grace with boldness. I am encouraging you. Hey, if you want to know the blessing of God, if you want to be a blessing, I encourage you, approach the throne of God with boldness. Oh, because he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. We sometimes sing that, don't we? We've been singing just amazing grace. We can come. I unashamedly would encourage you, get involved in the week of prayer. 
Get involved in the week of prayer. I believe they've got the timetables up here. We have an office now. Some of you will be aware of that. It's just down the road. It's 58 Uxbridge Road. Really can't miss it. We'll be praying on Monday night for the nations, 8 till 9.30. Come. Come. Tuesday morning, if you think, I'm not an evening person, great. Tuesday morning, 7 till 8. You could get up, you could come before work, and then scoot off and grab a coffee and get on the tube of work. It'll be great to have you come and pray. Wednesday evening again, we're going to be praying back at the office, 8 till 9.30. If you can't do evenings, but you're around in the daytime, we've got a Thursday lunchtime one. Some of you might say, well, I could do that. Great, come 12.30 to 1.30, we'll be praying in the office. Friday night, we'd like to give a prolonged time. Golly, how long? We don't know. We're just going to go with God. But let's just set aside some time to pray. Enjoy his presence. We've set up an email address, prayer at Redeemer London. So if there's anything you would like prayer for, email it in this week, and we will make sure the church prays. You suddenly think, oh, wow. We believe that we are to begin with prayer. And as uh, Anna was just saying in the notices, I encourage you, fast a meal this week. Just think, God, I'm going to give myself to prayer. I encourage you, if, if you live at home with a, a family or you share a house with other Christians, take some time out to pray. I encourage you, if you know somebody close to you, you know, in London, that you think, I could meet up with another Christian one lunchtime and I could pray. Look, I mean, I'd love the meetings to be full. I'm a pastor, you know what I'm saying? But what I'd really love is the church to begin to pray. I'd love us all to think, actually, the priority in the first week of the year, how do I pray? You don't very often pray with your husband or wife. Take a moment, pray. If you don't often pray with your kids, there's grace. Take a moment this week, involve them in prayer. I believe that we are blessed by God to be a blessing. I want to encourage us as a church... Now, I know that I'm talking about this week as a week of prayer, but I'd love us as a church to regularly pray for this place. I'm going to encourage you, you know, and some of you think, God, how do I practically do that? I know um, we've been chatting about this before, and Adam was telling me he'd literally written a list of people that he kept in his wallet. And he thought, I'm just going to pray a blessing over every person. And he thought, I might be on the bus, and I'll just pull it out and think, okay, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray for them. Why? I just want to pray a blessing over them. I hope it doesn't sound too creepy, but whenever I meet my neighbors and they tell me their name, I think, right, I'm going to write it down. I want to pray a specific blessing over them. And they said, oh, you know, this has happened. I've just had, I think, God, I want to pray for them. <laughs> we are to be those that to begin in prayer. Who knows? It could just be the person you get on the bus. Thanks ever so much. Pray. You haven't got to do it out loud. Thus says the Lord. <laughs> I mean, if God tells you to, don't let me hold you back. But why don't your heart just thinking, God, I pray for them? You know, which of the parents you're getting to know through the little fish? I could just pray for them. Which of the students that you think, oh, it's funny, I always end up in a small group with this lot. Or they're opposite me in halls. I'm going to pray for them. I encourage you, pray for them. D.L. Moody He was a great American evangelist. I knocked them at the beginning. I praised them at the end. He had a list of 100 friends that he spent his life praying for. 100. 96 of them became Christians. Incredible, isn't it? 
He must have gone to his grave thinking, good job. But actually, the last four all became Christians at his funeral. And they reckon 100 people that off his list all got saved. I just thought, here was a guy that was very intentional, thinking, I'm going to pray. Now, sometimes you're not even praying, but you just think, I just want to pray for someone. I was um, at a group uh, last week. Some of you know that I serve on the food bank. And um, the lady, I won't say her name now. I'm sure she'd never listen to me, but you never know. There was a lady in our group, and she's not a Christian, but it was her wedding anniversary. And we always pray as a team before we start the food bank at the beginning and at the end. And I just said to the group there, there's about seven of them, I said, oh, it's a, it's a wedding anniversary today. And they're going out for a meal. I'd just like to pray for her. And it's funny because she just looked at me all misted up after. She said, oh, thank you. So, there were some nice thoughts. I thought it wasn't a thought. I spoke to God. But let's not go there. I just thought, I, I was saying, no, no. We pray. We begin in prayer. What is the message of the Bible? You are blessed to be a blessing. I love that, don't you? What what does God say through creation, through the covenant? You're blessed to be a blessing. What's the first way that we can bless other people? It's to pray. Let's make sure that we begin in prayer. Now that I've said that, I'd like to pray for people here. There's two groups of people that I'm going to encourage to stand, and I'm going to pray for them. I'm not going to ask you to stand in sort of separate times, because I'm not here to embarrass you. My first thing is this, though. You are not sure that God wants to bless you. Actually, you think, oh, I, I wouldn't have thought that. The first thing I thought is, oh, not with God bless me. I, I thought, oh, is God checking up on me? If you are not aware that God wants to bless you, I'd like to encourage you in a moment to stand And I'm going to pray that you understand that he's a father who wants to bless you. The second group of people that I'd love to pray for is those that say, I'm going to commit myself to prayer. I just realized this is so important. You know, when Joshua was fighting a battle, it tells us in, in Exodus that Moses raised his hands in prayer and the battle was won. And when he got tired and the hands went down, the battle was lost. And actually, we've got to be those. Come on, how do we lift our hands again? How do we pray? It's a symbol of prayer. And if you're really honest, you think, yeah, I've probably let it slip. I've let it slip. And, and maybe as part of this series, I'm going to begin to pray. Maybe I'm going to jot down some names. Maybe I'm just throughout the day, I'm going to intentionally, I'm going to pray for my work colleague. I'm going to pray for the person that I play football with. You're going to commit yourself to prayer. So if you would like me to pray with you about God wanting to bless you, or you're going to commit yourself to praying, I encourage you to stand right now, and I'm going to pray for you. Father, we want to come before you. We thank you that yours is a heart to bless. We thank you that we see that throughout the Bible in so many ways. Father, we thank you that we are blessed by you. We thank you, Jesus, that you took our curse, and instead we receive a blessing. I pray for all those who, who, who sometimes have lost it, that God wants to bless me. God, I pray they'll understand what a generous, generous Father we have in heaven. And I pray for those that have stood and said, look, I want to commit myself to praying. Father, I include myself in that. Father, I want to keep coming back in prayer, in prayer. I want to pray and catch your heart. I want to pray for those that I meet throughout the day. Father, I pray that you'd lift tired hands. 
that we keep coming back and pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.